Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the TV Pilot's License, flight number 52, with service to England. We ask that you please fasten your headphones, secure your podcasting device, and remember, on today's flight, we may have a member of the royal family. Or maybe we don't. Have some fun with it. Welcome to the TV Pilot's License. My name is Jeff Kerbis, joined by Max Singer and Rich Inman. How are you boys doing this day? What's all, and I cannot stress this enough, this then. Uh, chance is Friday, isn't it? It's time. Oh my god. Well, for those who don't get the joke or maybe haven't read the title of this podcast, this week we are doing I Wanna Marry Harry. Uh, but before we dive too deep into this thing that sounds made up, uh, Max, do you mind telling folks what this podcast is all about? Oh, so here at TV Pilots License, we break down and analyze the pilot episodes of some of TV's most famous, or in some cases, don't know what you're talking about. Don't know what you're talking about. It's perfect. (laughs) We talk about how these shows came to be and were originally made, if they are effective pilots and make us want to watch more of the series, and if they could be made today. Go back and stream our old episodes wherever you get your podcasts from. Check us out on our YouTube page to see our smiling faces and judge our fashion choices. And if it is your first time flying with us, then welcome aboard. And Rich, what is your question of the week? Well, I would love to know, because this entire show is based on the premise of someone from the royal family actually committing to a dating show to find their next suitor, which is an insane premise that should have tipped anyone off on the show probably immediately. I know hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, and it's amazing that it didn't, uh, but I would love to know what current celebrity do you think would actually host a dating reality show for their own dating life? Past examples have included Flavor Flav, Tila Tequila, probably end of list. Max, I'm curious from your perspective, what's, uh, what's your number one choice? Yeah. So, so I'm thinking about what I want to see here and kind of rich to your point, we've, we've seen celebrities as the bachelor bachelorette. You know, uh, Flavor of Love, uh, Rock of Love with Brett Michaels of Poison. Uh, yes. We've also seen shows where celebrities try and get a new best friend, like Paris Hilton is my new BFF from MTV, which somehow had two seasons. I mean, the first friend didn't work out. <laughs> uh, that's kind of depressing to think about. But what we haven't had are celebrities finding love for other people in a matchmaker setting. And so that's what I really want to see. And I was thinking about who I want. And I started thinking about a little Bible verse called First Corinthians. Oh, God. spoken a lot at weddings. <laughs> and so the show I want to pitch to you guys today is called Love is Kind, where Richard Kind plays a matchmaker <laughs> helping regular people try and find love. He introduces them to prospective partners, shows them their profiles, talks to them both afterwards about how the dates went. And uh, yeah, you know, him and his sidekick, George Clooney, just help regular people fall in love. Done. 20 seasons on lock. I, I went with in a little bit of a different direction um, because I wanted to pick celebrities that I know are single. <laughs> and then I thought would actually like if their agent went to them and was like, hey, we want to do a dating show with you. Like um, first, let's let's do the. uh the puntastic one because it feels like a requirement. Uh, Padma loves me storing Padma Lakshmi oh my uh, God. is the <laughs> one that I want. I, I want that Padma 
Padma, your agent's going to get a call from me, and you know I think we got at least it. a season. <laughs> tell your, um, tell but your agent not reality, to answer that phone. <laughs> in, in all honesty, um, I'm sticking with the Bravo Network, and I'm going to Andy Cohen. Uh, Andy Cohen is famously still single. I could see America falling in love with Andy Cohen finding love. <laughs> um, and I, other than, you know, Tila Tequila, I don't remember the last time we had very much a non-heteronormative um, dating show on TV that really captured the zeitgeist. Um, so, yeah, I would really love to see Andy Cohen uh, at 55 find love and put it out there on TV. Rich, what about yourself? Yeah, we love uh, we love to talk about the Tequila Tequila, the famous bisexual MySpace star turned uh, turned Nazi. Um, <laughs> and I am going to go a little bit more heteronormative with this one, uh, Jeff. But uh, I mean, because it's in the news literally constantly, dating Pete Davidson at this point has to be a game show. Like, it, I think there is one that's going on behind the scenes that's not televised. I think people are hitting some sort of like weird dating Pete Davidson bingo card thing. And I, I want more of it. I want it on TV. I want him in on the joke. I think it's, I think it's time. Everyone stops uh, like worshiping like a, what a 25 year old comedian from Staten Island. Let's uh, let's see how, let's see how he uh, does uh, when everyone's able to, uh, you know, I don't even know. <laughs> So let's see, let's see how he does when when America gets to decide his next <laughs> his next partner. Can I can I just say, Rich? I didn't expect today's episode to feature two celebrities of the two thousands who were photographed wearing Nazi apparel, but here we are. <laughs> oh <my laughs> <God>. <laughs> yeah, but only oh, one as God. a podcast. Um, Rich, thank you for that thought provoking uh, question of the week. Before we talk oh, any more about this show, um, a quick word from our sponsors. Welcome back. Um, <laughs> let's dive into I Want to Marry Harry, and we're going to start off with a quick synopsis. Single American women compete for the heart of a Prince Harry lookalike, who they are led to believe is the real thing. Um, yeah, why not? Pretty sad. Uh, Max, how the fuck did this get made? <laughs> so today we are talking about the premiere episode of I Want to Marry Harry. Harry, of course, being in quotations, titled Royal Masquerade Begins, which originally aired on May 20th, 2014 on Fox. Did anybody else, when we decided to do this show, think this was like a remnant of the George W. Bush administration and was shocked to find out that it aired in 2014? <laughs> no, that's that can't be true. It cannot. No, that is whatever. That is that is fake news. That is not no, real. Th this this show aired in a block back to back with the Swan. There is no way that it aired after I graduated college. I refuse. Wait, to the wow. Swan was still on TV in 2014? No, no, no. What I'm saying though, Jeff, is that it feels like a show that would have aired with that in like 2005 it doesn't feel like a contemporary oh, show i i feel slightly better knowing the swan was yeah, not on tv breathe, in 2014 how did they do this during the <laughs> smartphone right, so era we're talking about british tv producer danny fenton who's the creator of i want to marry harry and fenton has worked since the mid-90s executive producing highbrow reality content like football hooligans international <laughs> scab city and my bear lady the last of which involved adult actresses attempting to learn classical theater and make it in London's West End. Damn it. 
Fenton claimed the title popped into his head one day as a joke, and he sold the show off of the four words alone, I want to marry Harry. So Fenton and crew begin scouting over 100 potential Prince Harry impersonators and lookalikes from around the world using websites and, you know, you could submit yourself as like a lookalike and things like that, those kind of ratings websites. And they settle on 23-year-old Matt Hicks. Hicks is one of the first six people they talked to, and he was discovered through posting his photos on a celebrity lookalike rating website where people can tell you how much you look like the person you think you look like. <laughs> a little bit of historical background for our more educated listeners. In the years leading up to the show, the real Henry, or Henry, <laughs> that's the fake guy. The real Harry had partied it up in the VIP cabanas at the Wet Republic pool party in Vegas. His bare butt had been posted on the British tabloids. And, of course, there was the Nazi Halloween costume incident of 2005. At this point, his relationship to English model actress Cressida Bonas had recently come to an end. The show was pitched to every single party involved under a ruse. To contestants, they believed they were signing up for the incredibly generic show Dream Date. No context was given to lead Matt Hicks beyond it being, quote, a show about royal family lookalikes. And even well-established reality TV director who helmed it, Ashley Gorman, was left in the dark. Per Gorman, I was told it was a reality show, and I could make it look like a Hugh Grant rom-com, and that was it. <laughs> oh, my God. Whoa. Wait. Ironically crazy. enough, Gorman was chosen to direct the broadcast for the Invictus Games, a multi-sport competition for sick and wounded servicemen founded by the real Prince Harry. <laughs> <laughs> so she knows both. The show was filmed at... Yeah, the show was filmed at Egglefield House in Berkshire, England, the same location as Pippa Middleton's real-life wedding. Or, if you're Jeff Kervis, it's the X-Mansion from X-Men First Class. Fuck yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> Rounding out today's royal background, the role of Kingsley the Butler was played by British actor Paul Leonard, who has graced the stages of London's West End as Javert in Les Miserables, Amos Hart in Chicago, Judd Fry in Oklahoma, and the titular role in Sweetie Todd. His finest role. The show did survive for a full. The show premiered. The show did survive a full season in England, but was a little less lucky here in the states. Despite a lead-in of American Idol, it only lasted for four episodes no. before being moved to an online exclusive. Oh man! So let's talk about episode one. <laughs> so. God, I can't believe we're doing this. Um, yeah, let, let's let's do this. So this introduction is absolutely insane. I love like, it. Th like the entire premise of we are over explaining the entire concept of this show at the beginning, the entire concept of this show right at the front. So you dum-dums understand that this is not Prince Harry. This is some dude who happens to look partially like him uh and gets, in the right yeah, light <laughs> like it, it's, it reminds me almost of that like it it it's one of those things where like yeah there was that period in the two like 2010 where everyone had their doppelganger as their facebook icon and then like they were like oh this guy has prince harry as his icon on facebook like we should have him and then they see him and they're like good enough and he's british <laughs> cool um like Max, one of the th one of the things that came up in my research that I found really funny is they when they were looking for this Prince Harry lookalike, they didn't just go with England. They went to multiple countries to find 
uh, Prince Harry. And then they just were like, you know what? The guy from England happens to look the most like him. Yeah, and we'll I saw be the they were looking training. at guys from like New Zealand and even like Argentina and they're casting, like scouting. It's like, can you imagine you pull up to this matter and everyone's like, no, this is Prince Harry. And the guy's got the thickest Latin American accent no. you've ever heard. <laughs> no, it'd be like, no, I'm Prince Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Prince Harry is six foot eight and really uh, tan. <laughs> <laughs> the Rock is Prince Harry. That's the entire. This was The Rock's main acting debut. <laughs> um, but what? As we go through, we sort of find out the entire idea, right, of this show. The entire idea is we are tricking these dumb American women into believing this man is this man that we found. Uh, who works for an environmental consulting firm is happens to be Prince Harry. Um, and then like we get to meet Matt Hicks or Prince Harry. Um, this was the most brutal explanation of a person we've done on this podcast. They do him so dirty yeah. in this too. Like you just said, so he he's an environmental consultant, but they downplay his job so much. Like, look at this poor broke schmuck who can't afford a car and cleans up oil spills for work. <laughs> they make this guy come out and be like, oh, chim chimaroo, I don't be a chimney sweep I am. And like, he's got a real job. Like, he's, he's an environmental consultant. He Max. does surveying. He has a real job. Where'd you get a hold of the original script? like literally talking about talking about matt hicks this is how the uh the introduction goes he's single and poor uh (laughs) 23 looking for love um also like they they make fun of him for not owning a car and saying he gets around on a bike like no fuck off narrator city he lives in a big city with public transportation they have bike lanes and like yeah the and they're the yeah, one of the things that I love is they show this like look-alike meter. It's sort of like if you go to a basketball game and they're doing the applause meter, and yes. like they're like he's a ninety-nine percent match yeah, to the Prince very Harry. Scientific look-alike meter that Fox and, created, and I was just like, yeah, he like sort of looks like him. Like if I, he looks as much like Prince Harry as if I was to run by someone and be like. That guy, like, was a ginger. He looks as much as Prince Harry as, you know, a ginger person looks like Ron Weasley, if you were to describe Ron Weasley to me from a book series. And for as much as the show and the producers don't do a good job of really selling Matt Hicks up top, he does an even worse job of selling himself. He has two lines here that I lost my shit at. The first is, I have to convince them I'm Prince Harry, but the goal is just for them to like me for who I am, which is (laughs) insane. The entire show is you have to sell them on you being Prince Harry. The other one is, if it all blows up in my face, I'm going to be hugely cut up about lying to 12 women. (laughs) Also, like, okay, I I do want to, I do want to add too from, from your explanation of how many people were hidden from this premise entirely, like including the, you know, the producer, but also like, like what did, what exactly did they hide from, from Hicks? Like what, why did they like, uh, he already seems to have, he, he seems to get it from the get. Like he seems to really understand the premise of all this. He's tricking these women. 
Well, by, by the time we get to the show, obviously he knows what it is. They didn't start oh, rolling the cameras. And could then you tell him what imagine? The is. But, okay. when, but when they when they cast him in it, they cast him under the guise of it just being a show about royal family lookalikes. Okay. This actually, like, if we were to ever do a crossover of two shows, this would be the most insane task on Taskmaster ever of trying. Let's see yeah, how long you can go super convincing long. a random group of American women. <laughs> that you are <laughs> um i i would be fully bought in but max you talked a little bit about my fair lady uh at the beginning and we no, get no, no i talked like my fair lady is different <laughs> <laughs> and we get <laughs> we get this bonkers like in like an upside down world my fair lady scene where this man is like Manchurian candidated into believing that he is Prince Harry, starting with his birth date, reminding him that Prince Harry is six foot three, like talking about his likes and dislikes, teaching him how to fence. Like there's there's so much detail that we are shown in this montage yeah. out of a nightmare. Also, why did the fencing thing come up? But no, at no point did any of these women <laughs> who you expect to not know what Prince Harry really looks like up close, would they think, hey, what if I ask this guy to sword fight me right now? That'll prove he's not the real true uh, heir to the throne. What I found to say here is that the actor who plays Kingsley introduces himself in character to the fake Prince Harry. Like, if I was at the end of this show and I revealed to the eventual winner that I'm not the real Prince Harry, and then my trusted confidant revealed to me that he was an actor, I would... (laughs) And, like, it literally, by the end, when they're, like, when the final test is, what's your birthday... And this man, Matt Hicks, struggles through saying it's September of, I think he said 1984. 1984. Yeah, he was like, it's September 12th of 1984. And you're just like, oh, he's broken. He's been broken. Like a college freshman with a fake ID. Yeah. He's been broken into believing this is his birthday. You cannot convince me. That on September 12th of every year, Matt Hicks does not celebrate his birthday because <laughs> of the way they filmed this scene. Oh, okay, so for, for all of the shitting on Matt Hicks we're doing right now, this show does do one good piloty thing, which is it says very loud and very clear what its thesis is. We're, if we're trying to create a bigger concept in all of this, and they state directly, can love survive when fame, wealth, and status falls away? So that's the social experiment we're doing here, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) So from this point, after Matt has passed his final test uh, of... Completed. (laughs) Yeah. And um, gets a makeover. So his hair... Did you guys think after this makeover, he looked less like Prince Harry than when they initially yeah, brought him this in. This is like, you know, when, when someone has like a, their Madame Tussauds character come out on, on social media and everyone's like, what the fuck? That thing looks yeah. like it's made out of wax. <laughs> it, it reminds me of the Ronaldo statue in Portugal oh, where like, it looks like someone played with clay. Was that the and, one where they had to remove it? Yeah, because he got so upset about it. Yeah, that is 100% <laughs> this situation. So let's move forward a little bit. And the, you know, as far as who's going to be competing for Matt Hicks's love 
Um, it is 12 American women um, who, you know, probably aren't the most familiar with what Prince Harry looks like up close. Literally, one of them says when the girls start murmuring Prince Harry, she doesn't know who Prince Harry is. And I was just like, you know what? That's extremely relatable. I think you're pretty cool now. <laughs> like, what did we think about meeting these women who genuinely, when we're seeing these talking heads, you really get the sense that they have no clue what's happening at the beginning of the show. I, I'm shocked that any of these people are from 2014. Everything about the the demeanor to the innocence of the entire concept as they start to get clued in as to what's happening to the fashion sense, both what they bring with them to the manor and what they're asked to change into for the first event that night. Nothing here screams 2014. This feels so trapped 10 years earlier than when it really mm -hmm. is, which is kind of eerie. Yeah, when did Joe Schmo or like Joe Millionaire come out? Because those are like very similar concept shows. Oh, three. Yeah. Those yeah, came out oh, that's three? the thing is this feels like a Whoa. Yeah. So like there's an eleven year gap between doing this concept and then trying to do it again. And it it feels uncanny. It feels like a direct spiritual successor to it, even though there's like an entire generation removed. Huh. Yeah, it's absolutely insane that this is happening. Talking about insane things that are happening, let's talk about the tea party. Uh, so these women are brought together over a tea party where they're looking out at this empty field um, and, you know, possibly having tea. We get some more talking heads from each of them about like, oh, yeah, there's here's Kimberly from Long Island uh, who, you know, men don't treat her right. Like. The, the thing that was interesting about some of these talking heads is I found myself feeling for the characters that were just like, oh, yeah, like, I've never had a man treat me in a proper way yeah. ever. Like, you're hearing these women talk about, like, almost as if they've been abused by former partners in, state, in situations. Well, something, something throughout this entire show that I, I think it, it bugged me was that they don't ever really give... Uh, like status or like characteristics to the competitors on the show. The entire thing yeah. is built around the ruse. All they care about is, is the ruse. So like we have these 12 women, we don't get the names of women's like women's. Um, we don't get the names <laughs> Little of, like, women's. of the final competitors <laughs> until like 20 minutes in. Like there, I was counting. I had a list going of each introduction and I'm like, I only have like nine names written yeah. down. And then like, as the, as like the big masquerade ball later happened, I was like, Oh, here's 10, 11 and 12. And I tried to write like a little one liner to keep track for it. I only have one liners for 10 of the 12. Um, so we've got Maggie, who's 24, and that's all I have for her. <laughs> we have Karina, who's 25. That's all I have for her. There's Le Leah, who's a cocktail server and uh, dates musicians. There's Megan, who's from Dallas, who says that she could cook, she can clean, she looks banging in a bikini and likes the finer things in life. You've got Kimberly, who's just from Long Island, which I don't even know if that's true because she would have kept calling him Harold the entire time. Uh, there's <laughs> Kelly, who's 24, who's a Southern belle and like the naive one. There's Ch Chelsea, who's 21, and just wants carne asada fries. Yeah, <laughs> that's all you, I have. You went a long way. <laughs> uh, Anna Luisa, who's 23, <laughs> she's Miss Los Angeles. Rose, who's 22, the naughty preschool teacher. Jacqueline, who's 25, who's quote about herself as she's awesome but a bitch. Carly, who's 24, who's a pre med student with a 4.0 GPA. 
And Andrea, who's 25, whose most romantic date was a casino in East Texas. And that's our slate of women competed for love. <laughs> so one of the uh, interesting things, Max, you talked a little bit about like how they didn't really give characteristics to the women. I would argue that one of the characteristics they did give, and this was a disservice to the show, is they made all of the women seem like they hate each other mm-hmm. uh, in like a, almost a convincing way. Like one of the first lines we hear is like, oh, you're 25. You're one of the oldies in the house, oh my which God. is like, I hated which that. I was just like, oh, holy shit. Like what a way to well, talk to someone you met maybe two minutes ago. As someone who's 18, famously, uh, I would like to say that 25 is old. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, also, Jeff, this is British high society. If you're not married off by 25, what good are you? That's that's the interesting thing. British high society and Mormonism very very similar. After 25, you're, you know, wasted goods. Um let's talk a little bit about this tea party's conclusion, which is we see a helicopter come with Matt Hicks as well as a team of folks who are dressed as Secret Service agents. Now, I have a question for you two gentlemen. Um, who, other than... We're given a list of folks that have Secret Service. Yes. Um, in this instance, we have the president. Um, we have Michael Jackson. That was a fun surprise. Um, and then we're just told that, you know, the royal family has Secret Service, too. Anybody else you know who you think uh, deserves or has Secret Service? Every every major American celebrity ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Drake. It, it's it's literally insane. Like this, the yeah, like the the entire idea of well, he has Secret Service and he has an airplane, and like I'm curious about how far away he was because he didn't look that far away but that also could have just been editing uh in every sense of the word from here these women spend zero time with this guy um like none at all and then they're all like oh he's a hundred percent like they're all talking about like yeah he's definitely prince harry like hundred percent oh there's a ball there's a masquerade and there's dresses like let's all fight each other for these dresses in a continuation of making these women monsters to each other in some sense of the word. And, and Kingsley lays out a little bit of the ground rules for tonight. So the way night one is going to work is going to be a masquerade ball. He's going to be introduced to all of the women. They'll have a chance to dance and flirt and spend time with him. And at the end of the night, one of the women will be given a key to the crown suite to spend some private time with Harry. And one of them will be sent home. God. And so... <laughs> During this moment, it's like why are you during this eyes, dress Jeff? montage bit. I'm I'm so upset. Like <laughs> I I we've done so many shows that are we have done shows that are much older than this show that have much more respect for women than this show that was made nine years ago, and I can't get over the fact of like. There, this scene where like these women are picking dresses, you have some women who are very uncomfortable with this moment, right? Um, where like you have Aaliyah who has no, 
at least in this show, she is edited to present that she has no idea what to do in this instance. She doesn't know what sort of makeup to wear. She doesn't know what sort of dress. She literally says, yeah, guys, just get me drunk and then hook up with me, right? And then you have this Kimberly figure who's like, I just want a guy who makes me feel special. I've never had a guy buy me a dress. And then on the opposite end, you have like Megan, who's being just rude like there's no other way to color it yeah and just she making, gets a hard villain edited yeah this. she yeah. she's very much edited to be this villain and to be this person that you're just like oh she sucks at least in the sense of like this show she megan might be a lovely human um but in the in this pilot you're left being like oh what a what a horrible human megan is also the only person who in any of her confessionals remarks that this is probably a ruse she's Mm -hmm. the only person in her confessionals or in any acknowledgments goes i don't think this is harry so she's she's clearly set up by producers to be our antagonistic figure we see it in this scene we see it after the one of the women at the end of the night comes back with her key card for the crown suite that she mocks and says she isn't good enough for harry she isn't yeah. pretty enough so so which one which one is it, is it that this isn't really prince harry or this other girl isn't pretty enough for prince harry i i will say that i love that the Go woman named megan is the antagonist for the person for harry um that is uh like an actual that is a, a beautiful yeah. uh, uh reminder of what's to come but I, personally they do yeah not we have much we of haven't a, even talked Go for it. They, they don't really give much of a semblance of personality or critical thinking or anything like that to any of these women. I think it's because you spend so little time with them and it's mostly setting up like how much production effort there was going into this to actually make it happen. But I think um, I, I think what you lose in this pilot, if we're just going to look at this from a reality show critical lens and not like, oh, my God, what the hell is this show? Because I will reveal later that I fucking love this and I want to watch more. But um, I I do think that there is a lack of ability to find any sort of personality with the contestants yet. Like, they're all still, like, not really bought in on what's happening. And as someone who watched, uh, famously, the uh, pilot episode of Milf Island... Um, <laughs> we, that that might be a show we have to come back to. Um, I think uh, what you get immediately, not only do you get their backstory, but the premise is laid out immediately and the reaction is immediate. And there's like, there there is like a buy-in immediately of everyone un- understands what's going on. And I think because you have so much confusion from everyone except for Harry and Kingsley, you kind of don't really have anything to lean on in terms of any of these contestants yet. Yeah, so so tagging on to Rich's point here, as someone who watches a lot of The Bachelor and Bachelor Nation type shows, something that they do on night one is every single person, when they meet The Bachelor and Bachelorette, has a one-on-one encounter where they get to tell them a fun fact about themselves, they get to do some sort of little shtick or gimmick or memorable thing before going inside, and people who are viewed as either producer favorites or front runners they want you to kind of get to know get a like a sizzle reel when we first meet them as well either before they get out of the limo or when limos are happening to really key you in on who they are and then during that first night cocktail party 
There's also kind of like little producery setup things where they get one-on-one moments where there's gifts or activities, things to, you know, inspire connection to kind of like push the lead's hand towards these people. And there's nothing that happens during the masquerade ball that even closely resembles that. There's some very awkward waltzing. There's some very odd one-on-one conversations where they don't really seem to know what to talk about. Plus, it doesn't help that Matt Hicks is trying so hard to be a mysterious man, and he's not giving them much to work with. He's answering with riddles and vague answers to not like tip his cap as to what's going on here. But it ends up coming across as you're not getting any information as an audience. Matt Hicks reminds me more of Rumpelstiltskin than he does of Prince Harry. That is what I get by the end of this. Uh, the like the own the closest we have to character development in this entire thing in this like where it's like hey we want to be the bachelor but we don't want to be the bachelor because if we are the bachelor then we would get sued by you know the people who made the bachelor um is we this with these women curtsying to this man who is wearing a mask the closest we get to character development is we learn that matt hicks is a bit of a dick (laughs) like that is what we learn. Like he is very, he is not. And sure, this could be editing, right? Like, but we talked about how Megan might be getting this villain cut. Matt is getting a villain cut too by saying like, oh yeah, all American women are really loud and really obnoxious after this meeting with Rose, the our naughty preschool teacher who seems perfectly fine okay but i got a bone to pick with rose's answer to being told that she's loud because she responds by saying she works with the deaf and hard of hearing and which is you're not supposed to just shout at the hearing impaired (laughs) yeah you are that's that's a huge part of it (laughs) that's 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 like the that's like the only part of it don't you remember garrett morris's uh bit on snl uh the the director of the center of that the hard for hearing (laughs) that's perfect so I I do there are two lines that happened during this cookout that are during this uh excuse me this masquerade that I have to talk about. One this is this is a British cookout. One it's a British cookout. thing that happens that that literally blew my mind is a woman was like there are fire breathing dragons at this masquerade because uh they had like these performers walking around who were blowing fire and stuff like that. And then another woman went, E, there is fire, uh, which, you know, also lots of focus on this fire rather than the lack of plot on this show. But like during these random waltzes that we see, like we realize more about these women, right? Like Leah, obviously extremely uncomfortable uh, at this whole thing is the only woman who like basically is like, stop dancing with me. I just want to sit down (laughs) like this is not my scene. Uh, we have the Rose, like, talking about Matt Hicks doing the bare minimum of, like, catching her as she tripped and being like, oh, he catches me and this could be our fairy tale beginning. Are you, but what men are you dating that I, this I is, like, a mind-blowing thing? Matt Hicks at one point in the night do, like, the Pride and Prejudice Mr. Darcy, like, hand gesture, like, he can't, like, believe that he touched her hand and he's so, like, verklempt about it. It's just like the entire thing is I'm I'm left with none of these women. Do I really see like 
a connection. Like, Max, you talked a little bit about The Bachelor. And, like, if we're comparing shows, like, The Bachelor does this amazing thing of the the first impression rose, right? Like, the idea of, like, oh, like, even the audience is, like, oh, shit. Like, the chemistry between them, the producer is obviously, like, in The Bachelor's ear being, like, people really are going to like your connection. Like, give this person a rose so that people are have one central figure to root for. We lack that. We lack this person other than if we really feel bad. Like I, at the end of this, I'm rooting for Kimberly because Kimberly is the person who seems the most invested in finding love, not having sex with Prince Harry. Well, I'm glad you mentioned first impression Rose, because that's what I thought they were going for with the crown suite key. But then, you know, Skipping ahead a tiny bit, not much happens to this masquerade ball, so I feel like it's okay. Yeah. When they finally do the reveal and they're going to what I assume is give out this first impression, give out this key card to spend some time in the suite, they then just, without explanation, call two women aside, tell one to go to the drawing room and one to the library, while ten other women are forced to just stand outside in a line with no explanation as to what's going on. I assume at some point a producer tells them that they are safe and can go back to their room because the next time we see them all, they're in lounge wearing comfy clothes and just kind of hanging out on the floor chatting with each other. But that is, it's just, it's awkward. They're just left to stand there with no explanation as to whether or not they're moving on to the next week in this show. We don't understand if the if Leah in the drawing room and Rose in the library are meant to signify he wants more one-on-one time to determine which of these two is going to get the key card. And there's no, there's no grand elimination where we get to say final goodbyes yeah. and the women get to say farewell. And there's like that kindred, like that moment of kinship that we get with the bachelor. Everything is so isolated. Like Be- every single segment is so isolated. Before we get too deep into the, the drawing room in the library, I have to talk about the unmasking. I have to, because this is, what I realize in this unmasking is like for the audience to, to paint a picture in your mind, if you decide not to watch this and just listen <laughs> to this podcast and wonder how are these men still sane? Um, the, these women are lined up with our bachelor, Matt Hicks, Prince Harry wannabe on the opposite side of them. And you see them all as sexily as they possibly can try to unmask. And then make sex eyes at this man um, where I can't even I would kill to be just a fly on the wall to see what the shot looked like (laughs) of like there's definitely a camera right in front of each of these women and then a camera that's off screen to the side. Mm -hmm. And like it's Matt Matt can't see any of these women's faces. A hundred percent. There's no shot of it. But then I just when Matt unmasked, I really think they had to cut out one of the women being like, oh, that's absolutely not Prince Harry. Like, 100%, 100% one of the women just was like, nope, (laughs) not him. I guess I'll be here, though. I'll stay. Like, that that had to have happened. Yeah, I already got a free trip to England about TV. I might as well play along. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just one of these things, like, and as you said, we sort of get this moment where off to the side, Matt and our fake butler are talking, and then he uses a term that I've never wanted to hear in my life called naughty come to bed eyes. Um, that's just disgusting. No, kill me. And then, like Max, as you said, we were in the drawing room, we're in the lib- 
were in the library. And then rather than having this instance where we get this like big dramatic moment where we have two women who are like side by side thinking like, am I going to get the rose or am I going to get the gigantic clock from Flava Flav? Um, In this instance, we get a man basically saying to a woman that you're not good enough for me. And like, and it was so fucking harsh. Like it just, there was no tact to it at all. It was just like, it almost was like the producer was like, just be a, be a dick. Be if, a dick to If you Leah. have seen the show, or as Jeff kind of just mentioned there, so it's Leah, our cocktail server, who gets eliminated. And I was actually surprised by this because Leah was one of the only people who had screen time, who actually had one-on-one conversations. And usually when there's eliminations on night one of these shows, it's people who either fall on their ass and make a fool of themselves and antagonize the lead or they're people who just, we didn't see at all. And there's maybe like four women who get any sort of one-on-one time with Matt Hicks in this episode. And one of those four got sent home. I don't know if you guys had any thoughts on this. I'm very curious personally. Like if you, if you don't have that much screen time, then the first night sending home thing isn't really that consequential or captivating for an audience in general. And I think if you're, I think you do want a little bit of screen time. You do want to have some bit of like attachment to that person that you're sending home because it it builds drama for the next one. Because you're eventually going to learn more and more and more about people. Like going back to what we were just talking about, like a little bit of how little screen time any of these women really get. You have to like you have to think that there is going to be some sort of exposition dump about all these women at some point like uh, like uh, you're almost getting like a main character energy type uh, or main main character like edit by giving that person more screen time and then cutting them i mean you do you do want to have like a little bit of a sentiment toward the end of the episode yeah it it, it reminds me there's a couple other reality competition shows that i watch that there's like this you know, there's this tradition almost like if a character gets the first talking head in the episode, you're pretty sure they're going to be in the bottom two of the episode mm-hmm. um, of people who are competing. And it's mm-hmm. sort of I've it that has tainted me of watching any of these shows and being like, oh, they're on camera a lot. Like they're they are either this is their only time on camera and the producers feel bad or they're going to win. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Leah gets kicked off. Rose, who before finding out she gets the crown suite, says, I'm just Rose, uh, which is what a great explanation of a human being. And then we find out that, you know, that that's our episode. And who knows what the fuck's going to happen next? There is a great button to end this, though. Rose is basically just standing in the the bedroom with the other women saying she got this key card. And uh, someone, I think it's Megan, just says, keep your panties on or not. And that's our blackout. It's absolutely insane. So, yeah, we, we finished the pilot. Congratulations. Hey, we made it. Uh, I guess, were there at, were at, there any things that you loved about this pilot that we did not talk about? Rich, as someone who I think you admitted you might be watching more of this show, uh, what were some things that you loved about this pilot that we didn't discuss? 
Um, I just love a big, stupid swing. I love something. I love producers going in <laughs> and saying, I'm going to pitch a very like a Swiss cheese level plot hole uh, uh, riddled show. A I'm going to try to convince a bunch of extremely dumb uh, or like extremely dumb people or n- they're not even dumb. They're like they're some one of them has a uh, doctorate degree. Like they're I, it is like. It is one's based, a doctorate, one's a pre-med with a 4.0. Yeah. yeah. It, it is based on such a flim uh, flimsy like premise, and I love it so much because like so many people had to say yes to this. They spent a lot of money trying to make it. They had to fly all these these poor women to England. They probably wrecked any chance of acting any of them had, if any of them were trying to be actors at any point. And all for this guy who knows he's not going to end up with any one of them. I mean, like once he hears the premise and says, yes, he knows he's not going to end up with any one of them. So he's now, he now has like going from an environmental consulting job to now having to try to be the best actor in a nonstop performative, like, like, uh, like in-person dramatic scene. The entire time the cameras are rolling. They he can't he can't turn it off at a, ever. He, this has to be his entire life now. And the fact that they just said yes to all of this is extremely hilarious to me. And that's why I'm watching more of it. Um, I, I think we've talked about all these, but we'll we'll go in a little bit more. But I, I God, I just love a big stupid swing. Max, what about you? Yeah, I love that. I love that Matt Hicks is basically the lamest Sasha Baron Cohen <laughs> character. Like, no, you're a regular guy pretending to be a royal prince. Uh, I I have so much respect for the budget that Fox pumped into this series. If you watch the the season trailer at the end, there are yachts, there is helicopters, there is so much luxury involved. They are so committed to what they are trying to do. And it is insane that they pulled out all of the stops for a show that got axed its fourth episode in. <laughs> see, see, oh it's it's coming back to you now too. You love a big stupid swing. You're on the big stupid swing train. Like if you're if you're if you're gonna do it, go all in and I will give them one prop on going all in. Yeah. Um Trying to find something that I liked about this show. <laughs> we already talked about it. But um, <laughs> I I really enjoyed the My Fair Lady scene where I saw a man lose his mind. Um, and I, I refuse to believe that Matt Hicks doesn't think he is Prince Harry a little bit. And he oh, should be he married. Just stuck? He's just stuck. Yeah, he he, is, he thinks he is married to Meghan Markle. They didn't have uh, oh, it's like an Austin program. Butler situation now. He's yeah. just stuck. <laughs> Oh my god. Um, well, although this show seemed like an entire wait-a-minute moment, what were some specific wait-a-minute moments for each of you gentlemen? Max, uh, I'll kick it off to you. I think the biggest thing for me, and we've all kind of touched on this, is just the lack of agency that any of the women are given in this cast. We we don't get anything about them other than their name and their age, and that is entirely what they're reduced to. Even on The Bachelor, for all of its faults, their chirons give their job descriptions. They're given moments and 
flashes to show their personality and to allow the lead to get to know who they are or what their interests are, or at least something interesting if they know they're getting sent home night one. And we don't get that here. We have women who are solely critiqued based on physical appearance. There's a there's a cocktail count joke put on a woman at one point during night one. Uh, just her entire story for the first masquerade ball being her alcohol consumption. Yeah. And it's like they're just they're just props for the producers. And it feels like the only thing that they're interested in is the joke. And so throughout it, it's like the only thing that has interest and focus put on it is the one big joke. And so how does this work? That goes out the window. What happens to the other Ted women who don't get asked to come into the mansion? I thought they were still going to just be outside the mansion all night. They were never told they could go back inside and were safe. There, there's never any interest in anything other than the ruse. Yeah. Rich, what about you? I'm going to make you shit on the show for a second. Oh, boy. Uh, the only thing for me is that I, obviously I 100% agree with what Max said, but uh, uh, the other only thing, and this is way less consequential, they didn't need to teach him fencing and polo again. You do not need, I mean, it was hilarious to put him on a horse for eight seconds, <laughs> but, but uh, uh, you really did not need to have that part of his character at all. Like, like yeah, it was, it was really just for like a visual gag. And I think it also kind of established a narrative like against Matt Hicks, which is like, so it like, now you're kind of, I think what they're doing almost is like rooting against everyone. It's like, it's, it's kind of like a, it's, it's part of like an extension to what Max was saying in that, like, you don't want to see, you don't want to see people like actually become their own person, showcase who they are on this. It's really just kind of how many tropes of another reality TV show can we borrow where you just point and laugh at them? And maybe I like the show or I find the show so funny because I don't like reality TV in general, just like entirely as a premise. I don't like it. And I think because this is so like outlandish as a concept, you know, it was a little, I wasn't watching for the quality of conversations. I wasn't watching for anyone to actually have this, nice interaction or even for the ruse to be uncovered i don't I, like if if one person to like use their time to go and like like i'm gonna look into this i don't think this person's really hairy i would have loved that arc maybe that maybe that happens in future episodes i want i want to see someone snooping around it's like i don't think this guy's really hairy i think that i think harry is in uh <laughs> i think harry's in jamaica right now on vacation <laughs> Megan just turns into a character from an Agatha Christie novel. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Um, if you're watching on the YouTube, you're watching that my mic is getting a lot closer to my mouth because my wait a minute moment is Danny Felton, Kevin Utten, Matt Gould, Ryan Seacrest, Adam Scher, Heather Schuster, David Tabalas, Rebecca Eisen. How fucking dare you? How dare Please you put this on, on TV? Again. You monsters. You. <laughs> You goddamn monsters. Hey, man, ha careful. Seacrest has shooters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, you know, I've never been more upset 
at people who have power who don't deserve it. And this instance shows you all need to be brought down a step or two. No, so- man, man do, you, do you know what happened to Brian Dunkelman after season one of American Idol? You can't talk about Seacrest like this. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to. Ryan Seacrest, fuck the Georgia Bulldogs. I know you love that school. I just, I just and want... And fuck you for making me watch this show. For everyone at home, the mic was inside Jeff's mouth. That's how serious he's taking this. He is ruining, he's ruining the quality. <laughs> Quality of the mic for this. The call is coming from inside the mouth. <laughs> so, with that being said, we do have an in-flight oh, question that's a little bit more fun. Um, that I actually, yeah. So, our in-flight question this week came uh, to me when I was discussing doing the show with a friend. Um, and Max, you sort of mentioned that this show came about ten years after Joe Millionaire, right? And we're about 10 years out from this show having debuted. So uh, it only feels appropriate that we have a new version of this show. And I am going to ask you, what celebrity would you like to have impersonated for a dating TV show where American women or women from another part of the world think they are potentially dating a celebrity? I want to go. And a very weird twist to Rich's (laughs) question. Go, Rich. Hunter Biden. (laughs) (laughs) No explanation needed. (laughs) The the name is I want to be Biden, Hunter Biden. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. sorry. Do you you have one? Oh, oh God. That's killing me right now. And it's topical. And it'll probably also air on Fox. <laughs> so I'm going in a different direction here. And I think I'm inspired by a, a video I saw once on on TikTok about a, a lot of men in a big group all dressed like this man chanting the word family over and over again. Yes. And so I want a show where you have to date a fake Vin Diesel. <laughs> Max, what if I told you that was my first choice, but I do have a second choice? Oh, man, yeah, Vin Diesel's family. (laughs) Well, I I thought a little bit differently than you two. I was thinking, what is a celebrity that a lot of people sort of look like a little bit, right? (laughs) Um, And, like, like what – because that that was the premise of this show, right? Like, (laughs) the the premise of this show was, like – this guy sort of looks like Prince Harry. Like, let's put him on a TV show. And then, because, like, one, the most hysterical answer would be if they did, like, Meghan Markle was like, I want to do a version of this show where people date a person that sort of looks like me. Uh, and, like, we pretend I broke up with Prince Harry. But that's not that's not a good answer to this question. My answer, I have two of them. I either want Stanley Tucci or Moby. That is the that is the only two answers that are appropriate. Just Wait, short, is the bald game you men. have to guess if you're dating Stanley Tucci or Moby? <laughs> I want a man to pretend that he is Moby. I would love that. That would be so fucking funny in my mind. Well, I thought you were gonna add Jim Rash into that equation. The show's <laughs> oh, called Got a Rash. Rash decisions. So fucking funny. Oh my god, Jim, give me a call. Give me a call, Rash Jim. Yes, oh right. my god! Um, yeah, so that—that's maybe we have Moby pretend he's Jim Rash, and then you find out it's Moby at the end. Uh, that would be great. Uh, well, to our to my friend who asked that, 
that is a hell of an in-flight question. Thank <laughs> you. And we'll talk a little bit more about submitting those later in the show. Um, so technically, this show has a history. Let's talk about it a little bit. Um, yeah, a thousand years of British history. <laughs> so Max talked a little bit about how this show only had four episodes that aired on TV. Um, there were a total of eight episodes. Yeah, if you thought there was more than one season of the show, what the fuck are you talking about and are thinking? Um, as far as the ratings of this show, absolutely bonkers. So this show premiered directly after American Idol. Um, if we think about, and this was season 13 of American Idol, uh, as Max sort of talked about, if this was the Bush administration, we're talking about millions of people watching American Idol. Not as many. Uh, this show only held a 1.5 household rating and a 0.7 among 18 to 49 year olds, um, which is just nuts. Um, to give you an idea of how many people potentially watched this episode, that might be 1.5 million people on a major network television show. Um, it did even worse across the pond, um, which is saying even more of a thing. Um, yeah, sure. I'm not going to spoil who won it. Um, you can look that up Americans yourself. Americans don't even know. Uh, but someone technically won. Um, I'm going to spoil who won season 13 of American Idol, though, and it was <laughs> Caleb Johnson with celebrity <laughs> judging panel Harry Cotting Jr., Keith Urban, and Jennifer Lopez. That didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's... The the the, the other guy history... looks like Meatloaf who won. It's really funny. <laughs> the other history of the show is you know what Prince Harry ended up marrying Meghan Markle, um, and they have children. So congratulations to them on finding love. Um, with with that said, uh, Rich, what is your game of the week? <laughs> Um, this is just god i just love <laughs> this is such an insane episode um okay i have a couple royal family facts that i want you guys to to try to suss out and a couple trivia questions here um you guys can both answer on this one um i'm not going to do these individually so you can uh, try to figure them out together for one cohesive answer all right according to the royal family rules royal family members are not allowed to a tie their own shoes B, cook their own meals. C, sign autographs. D, drive their own cars. So I'm going to say it's C. Um, I'm going to say it's 100% C because I believe there was like an instance where uh, the queen was driving a car like, in, or I, I don't know. I saw the movie <laughs> Helen Mirren and I think everything that happened in that movie is real. I'll bleep out that movie, future Jeff. Um, but yeah, um, that, that that's my guess. My my gut says sign autographs because it feels like a weird celebrity thing. But I'm gonna go weirder and say it's cook your own meals. It just to be different. Jeff, you were correct. It is sign autographs, and uh, the instance you were thinking about was uh, the queen driving around the crown prince of Saudi Arabia because uh, it was forbidden for women to drive in Saudi Arabia. And he she wanted to have that as a demonstration of solidarity for women in Saudi Arabia. Um, she was also driving hella fast through very windy roads in England, which uh, prompted him to tell her to slow the hell down. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, all right. Uh, question number two is the queen travels traveled with a personal supply of a trail mix B cyanide C blood D gin. I'm going with the fun answer. It's gin. It, it has to be gin. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go gin as well. Cause I do believe that Lizzie had a thing for the G and T's and that's pretty well documented. She does have a thing for the G and T's, but she did also travel around with a pint of blood for herself at all times. I think uh, I think the president of the United States actually does the same thing. I think there is like an emergency container of blood for the president on, on someone's person at all times. Yeah. All right. Last question. Yeah. That's uh, not too surprising. Either due to the fashion of the time or to or just wartime rules, the royal family does what after Christmas dinner? A, they weigh themselves. B, they sing the national anthem. C, they have a traditional wrestling match. D, they take four shots of gin. Um, Max, should we go continue with the, on the gin train? Oh, man, I mean, it is summertime while we recorded this. No, I I think it's A. I think it's weighing themselves. I I do love the idea of them all. Like, I love the idea of more so an American family finishing their meal and standing up and saying the Pledge of Allegiance <laughs> together. Like, that would be the funniest fucking thing. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to stick with gin. Why not? Uh, Max, you're correct. They weigh themselves in a tradition going back to the 1900s where the king was not certain that everyone in the royal family was eating enough and was worried about the like malnutrition and stuff like that. So they do weigh themselves after meals or after the Christmas dinner. They uh, they do that. They do that scene in a uh, an Academy Award nominated Kristen Stewart film that I won't say the name of to not upset Jeff. <laughs> Thank you. And future Jeff is really ha- pumped about not having to bleep you out, Max. Um, well, Rich, thank you for that lovely game of the week. Um, as our flight comes to a land uh, and we conclude this episode speaking about I Want to Marry Harry, I have technically two questions for each of you. Uh, the first is based off of this pilot. Would you watch the one season of this show that exists or, and two, uh, let's say the producers who I called out and are now putting a bounty on my head, decided to get together and make a new version of this show with another celebrity. Do you think that should exist? Um, Max, I'm going to kick it off to you. This is the hardest I've ever had to think about. Yes or no. When I continue watching a show we've done. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is episode fifty two, and I've never had to think so hard about do I want to watch the next episode. <laughs> and despite all of my morbid curiosity, wanting to see how this goes, I want to see how lavish these dates get that I've mentioned and how far into the ruse they get. I can't bring myself to hit play. This is gonna be a no for me. I'm continuing to watch. As for can it be made today? I don't think so. I'm shocked that this is even from 2014 to begin with. I think that this era of like kind of malicious reality TV has passed. I think we're really in like docuseries, competition shows, either celebrity or not, uh, day in the life shows, either celebrity or not, and uh, robot shows. I think those are kind of the big four right now. I don't think we're trying to trick people and do as many gotchas as we were 
10 to 15 years ago with reality TV. And it's just, I can't see everyone signing off on this. Uh, although I also don't know how long these strikes are going to go for. So maybe I'll have egg in my face, but I, I don't see it being made today. Rich, what about you? Uh, I'm going to say yes, I'm going to keep going. And specifically for the reason that I think reality TV show and uh, reality TV shows and America should be taken down a peg. And this is the kind of thing to do it. And I think, uh, I, I think that, like you said, like, Rich, if I tell you, if I tell you the winner right now, will you change your mind? Uh, no, no. The winner is inconsequential to my decision. <laughs> uh, the winner is me. The winner is the United States of America. The winner is the Royal family. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I I am going to give this uh, another episode just because I think it's schlocky. I think it's terrible. I think it's something that is a very, very stupid borderline 30 rock, like late night writer's room idea type thing. And the whole reason that this exists is because people do kind of want to point and laugh a little bit. And I, in previous episodes, I have said that's wrong. However, uh, it is a reality show that they signed up for, and they're not minors, which is uh, already uh, 100 points above Laguna Beach. But I do think they, uh, I, I, if I think it's going to be made today, yes, uh, I think there is no bounds for how stupid reality TV can get. And I can't wait to, to see who's uh, who's Biden, Hunter Biden. And uh, first of all, if we learned anything from Rich's uh speech he's a hypocrite uh but secondly <laughs> um i i will stand with ryan seacrest over your body <laughs> oh my god the only is this week are matt hicks in the coal mines the poor bastard um so as far as this show goes um yeah absolutely not right like i'm i'm not watching this on any platform you could deliver this to me free on dvd um which i'm surprised you know the network that produced this didn't try to cash out on those um they could be collector's items um but as far as like making more tv about tricking people into dating some regular guy no like are you fucking kidding me that's disgusting it it literally is just I understand everyone wants their 15 minutes of fame. Like everyone wants to be an Instagram influencer and like a director or a casting agent could be like, Hey, you want to like pretend you don't know that this person isn't Prince Harry uh, for eight episodes and you get to go to London. Like, yeah, I genuinely, one of the things I was surprised about that we didn't talk about. None of these women have a social media presence whatsoever, or like an influencer presence whatsoever and i know it's a little bit early but like that's how i could see a network being like yeah we can get someone to america to fall in love with this person from malvern long island new york um like yeah why not it's just no stop make real tv like pay writers god damn it like that that's all i have to whoa, say whoa, whoa. pay writers on, pay on, actors on, to make awesome art we don't need more of this shit my point is not don't pay writers that's <laughs> no, not the point to be argued on my side. <laughs> no, that, no, 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 Rich. By no means am I saying. My, I am not. I am not saying that you don't want to pay writers. I am saying that I'm upset 
that there was a period where rather than paying a bunch of writers to make a piece of art or like pick up a pilot, Fox looked at this and said, we got it. Um, oh, I gaslights when I go out and light the lamps at dusk, my lord. <laughs> oh my God. So with our plane coming to a land, um, where can we find you two gentlemen? Rich, where can we find you? You can find me in the boardroom planning out Hunter Biden lookalike dating shows and also on Instagram at Damn That's Rich. Uh, you can catch me running lines for the next musical production starring Paul Leonard and on all things social media at Maxwell Singh. And you can find me trying to take a mask off of my face as sexily as possible <laughs> in the mirror and failing every single time. Uh, you can find me on social I should have said I was getting carne asada fries. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> That's too real. You can find me on social media at Run Jeff Run. You can find the T. You can find the TV Pilots License on social media at TV Pilots License. You can also find us anywhere you listen to podcasts as well as YouTube. If you have a question for the show, specifically an in-flight question, make sure to shoot us an email at tvpilotslicense at gmail.com or give us a call at 213-290-1713. Make sure to watch out for sneak previews of our upcoming episodes on our socials, but with the plane landed and the seatbelt sign off, we look forward to flying the bright skies of the TV world with you again soon. And until then, don't gaslight people. It's fucking it's rude. It's coming home. It's coming home. Football's coming home. <laughs> <laughs>